Welcome to the Wake and Rake Podcast, featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and MLB journalist Danny Vietti. Want a chance to be featured on the show? Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Now, here's Danny and Will. Party People episode 13, Wake and Rake Podcast. Welcome back. Hey, shout out to everybody who's been giving us the reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't heard already, we are on Apple Podcasts. And right now we got five stars, baby. We're batting a thousand. Will Middlebrooks, Danny Vietti, as always. We're batting a thousand, brother. I got a question. What's up? Of those five reviews, are they your parents? None of them are my burners, I can assure okay. you. I cannot promise that they're not my parents' burners, but Jenny, my wife, was like, Should I review this? And I'm like, No, I want this to be real. Mm-hmm. I want real reviews here. My parents don't unless understand. you're gonna get on there and trash us. Yeah, and go for it. My parents don't understand, like, you know, people come at me on Twitter all the time and they're like, they're wanting to come to my defense. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's back. That's I not got this, the mama. Yeah, I, I got this. I'm, I'm a big boy now. Despite my facial hair shaving, for those listening on the podcast, not watching on YouTube, I shaved for the first time in a while. And did I you, looked, did you use uh, Nair again? No, I did not use Nair. But <laughs> I know it was not. thick enough to actually shave. You've seen Shrek, right? Shrek? Yeah. Okay. The second 20 year one. anniversary today of Shrek. Is that right? 20 years old, man. That makes me feel really old. I didn't know I was 12 when it came out. That makes me feel old. But do, do I not look like Shrek when he turns into a prince? Shrek 2 when he turns into a prince? I mean, oh, that's not really? A that's not a compliment. I'm just saying. like, I, I was going to say, the only reason you look like Shrek is because you're 6'6". But <laughs> I like the baby face look. It looks better than your like fake Abe Lincoln thing you were doing. <laughs> Oh, I, I say that with love. Cheers. I, I don't like wine drinking Brooksy. I like whiskey drinking. He's nicer. Uh, whiskey drinking Brooksy's like a cowboy. Wino is like, I, I get lovey. I get lovey with wine. Today's Wait. episode. Today's episode. We are talking about the umpiring mishaps that oh, seem to be just in an abundance of earlier this season. We can talk about strike zones all day. But there's something that happened in today's Brewers-Marlins game that is unfathomable. We'll break that down. We'll talk about Mike Trout a little bit. The, Who? There's this guy named Mike Trout, and he's batting like 500. And by the way, he has a career OPS over 1,000. He's one That's of eight joke. players in Major League Baseball history to have an OPS over 1,000. We'll talk about Mike Trout. Can he hit 400? Maybe. Lindor getting booed in New York. We'll hit on that as well. It's very early, but he's already getting moved. And then lastly, we're going to break down five players. Brooksy's going to detail three. We're going to talk about quickly five players that have changed their batting stances from last year to this year. We'll talk about what the early returns have been, and we'll talk about why they may be making these adjustments at the plate. Umpiring, Brooksy. I know you watched today's Marlins-Brewers game. Good Lord. Herman, what is it? Herman, is that his name? Marty Foster. On, <laughs> he's on my show. What are you laughing about? I thought you went from Herman to Marty. <laughs> Where'd I get Herman? Oh, I was thinking of Harmon Killebrew. 
Okay, yeah. He was not an umpire. He was not an umpire. <laughs> but he was on he has an OPS over a thousand. All right. You're blending your stuff together right now. Yeah, I just woke up from it's a nap. fine. That's hilarious. Marty Foster. He's on my shit list right now. He should be. So this video, of course, is on our YouTube for the for the people listening on the podcast. It's essentially what happened is Diaz for the Marlins hit a ground ball is Asan Diaz hit a ground ball to Zach Godley. Zach Godley calmly walked over to the ball. It was a squibber down the first baseline, about five feet fair, like three quarters of the way to first base. Godley calmly shuffled the ball to first base. By the way, the ball was in the grass. So they, was uh, Godley. Godley, you have a base running line. They called obstruction on Zach Godley, the pitcher who made the play. And by the way, Diaz gave up halfway through. He stopped running. He started jogging. They called obstruction on Zach Godley. He ended up getting first base. It actually ended up turning into another run for the Marlins later in that inning. So if you watch the video slowly, the base runner kind of reaches out like because he's close. He was also like on the left side of the line or like right on the line. He could have stayed clear of that. Uh, the base runner looks like reaches out and like kind of touches like his lower back. Like, hey, I'm here. Don't come across the line. I don't want you to get hurt. Just like a respect thing. Like, I'm here. The base runner, the team, the manager, no one would have complained if they just called him out. Because he had already pulled the shoot and was running slow and was just letting the pitcher know, hey, I'm here. I don't want to run you over. I don't want to cleat you. Uh, just out of respect. But since they made contact, so they teach us base runners like in a rundown to make contact with a guy. If you can, you'll see in rundowns, you'll see like base runners kind of go out of their way or like throw yeah. an arm out or like try to run into a defender because that's obstruction and then you're safe by rule. That's not what the base runner was doing in this situation. He was just saying like, hey, bud, I know you're close. Like it was just kind of like, a, I'm right here. Don't don't let me run into you like a respectful thing. That is a god-awful call. Have a little bit of feel of the situation. Realize that it doesn't matter if he was running as fast as he could down the line, he would still be out. Now, you're talking to somebody who knows obstruction, all right? Happened to me. I lost a World Series game for my team because I quote tripped Alan Craig. We won't get into that again. I don't want to lose too much sleep tonight. But uh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. It's my, it my World Series ring. I was just making sure it was still there. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm joking. Like kinda. But <laughs> that was like mine. At least there was like full on contact. He stepped on me and tripped, like, by rule, yes, as obstruction. This was not by You're any means. The worst part is post-game what he said, and he doubled down hey. on it. Like, well, that's well, the issue with, with umpiring right now. There's a lot of bad calls, and rarely do umpires say, you know what, I screwed up. Just be accountable yeah. because they don't have to answer. They, ha they have to answer the league somewhat, but it's not public. It's an email or a phone call like, hey, clean this up. They're not getting roasted. In the pay you know? Yeah, exactly. Like Joe West is going nowhere until he decides he's done and wants to pursue his country music career. <laughs> These umpires essentially have tenure. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like they're not getting fired. And I'm not calling for anybody's job. That's not what I'm here to do. But there needs to be consequences. If you're a bad, if you're bad at your job, there needs to be consequences. That's, that's life. That's not baseball. That's life. Breaking Marty news, Foster. Marty Foster sent to alternate side <laughs> to umpire. He should. He absolutely should. Though. Not for one call, dude. If Maybe he's consistently call, making bad calls or his strike zone is dog shit, like, Agreed. 
angel. Yeah. Like, yeah, send them down, let them work on it. One call, no. That's like me having a four strikeout game, and they're like, "Oh, you're you're screwed." Like it's one one game. You made one call. Brewers bench coach Pat Murphy ended up getting injected later in the game. <laughs> Another poor call by Marty Foster. Marty Foster after the game said, "Quote: I'm 100 sure that the runner was impeded on his way to first base," which is complete and utter bullshit. That's the worst by rule. So by rule, if the base runner makes contact. So that is the only reason he's saying that because he knows they make contact. Like I said, he kind of reached out and touched them. Even though he was far beyond the baseline, even though that contact is there by rule, that's that's why he can confidently say, I know it was obstruction. That leads me to my next question for you. Robot umpires. Are you in favor of it? I do agree that home plate umpires have been really bad. Not not only calling strikes outside of the zone, which I know you like, you're a pitcher. There have been some really bad calls outside of the zone, but there's also been a lot of missed calls, like in like a like the full ball inside the strike zone. Now I know sometimes on TV, like the strike zones can be a little off because of the camera angle, and that can be a little deceptive to viewers. But for the most part, they have it pretty dialed in. And, and there's been some that were like middle away, middle in, and they're balling them because there's a check swing and maybe it threw their eyes off or the catcher came up to throw a runner out or throw behind a runner. You can't miss those. Those are like middle of the plate. So am I for robot umpires? Absolutely not. With all that said, no, I, there's got to be, this is, we talked about this before. I do like some of these rule changes, but I'm still pretty much a baseball purist. I love it. It is just raw, pure form. Um, and that's just too far. There, part of the game is a human aspect uh, with guys behind the plate. And you, you just can't take it away. It's going to eventually happen, unfortunately, because that's just how this game is trending. The issue, though, so you're going to get me rolling now because the issue is if you want to correct everything, then at what point do these replays going to New York, how, how do they keep getting them wrong? You see in all these you've seen two this year that were clear clearly wrong on the field and they they continue to miss it in New York. Inconclusive evidence is what they Right. Like let's interview those guys after the game. Make them accountable. Make them show their faces and say this is why. Not just you, you they will have to be 100% sure to overturn a call. But if they're 99.9% sure, they won't overturn it. That's bullshit. Like, just use common sense. It's not that hard. How Everybody it, in the world watching the game can see it. How is it 2021 and we still don't have someone overseeing the – how do we not have a fifth umpire with have their own booth, like, in the press box? And when there's a replay, instead of stopping the game for three, four minutes – how about the umpire, home plate umpire, looks up into the front into the suite that the the overseer is, and you say, "Hey, is he safe or out?" He looks at a couple of replays. Thirty seconds in, okay, he's safe. He's safe. Like, how is it twenty twenty one, and we're still having to call into New York on these massive phone boxes? By the way, like, where the hell did these things come from? Why can't you just hop on your cell phone, bro? Like, does Joe West not have a cell phone? Probably not. <laughs> he's got a beeper. <laughs> yeah. He probably still uses Morse code, to be honest. <laughs> you probably don't even know. You're probably too young to know what Morse code is. I have seen the Da Vinci Code. Thank you. Can Mike Trout hit 400? 
you post this question on Twitter, and it might not be that far fetched. Oh, the, the the baseball Twitter thinks it's far fetched. I had maybe I don't know. There are over a hundred re- like interactions with this probably. I would say maybe two people were like, yeah, I think you can. I didn't say that trying to just get conversation going. I said it because I literally think he can. And now this era of baseball in 2021 and history itself says 0% chance he can do it. But there's also never been a Mike Trout until the last 10 years. And I don't know if I've ever seen him this hot for yeah. – a three-week three period, right? It's been 433 on base percentage of a 537. Is this coming into Wednesday? He's playing game 20 right now. So strikeout rate is up 25%. That's super high. Uh, his career, I don't know exactly. His career strikeout rate is like 22 maybe? It's about 21.9. Okay, so 22, like I said. <laughs> well, Actually, I know, I know. Actually, to be exact, to be precise, 21.9. so his walk rate right now is 17 and a half. I yep. think if he can get that up around 20, then he can hit 400. Now, something else to dig into, he got like a 570 Babbitt, <laughs> which is going to come back to earth, but he's also got a super high Babbitt, not just because he's lucky, because he's barreling the shit out of ball. Like, if Mike Trout swings, it's a barrel, it seems. And, and that rhymed. If Mike Trout swings, it's a barrel, it seems, says Dr. Seuss. Swings and seems. It's close enough. Yeah. Anyways, I'm dude, I'm a GED guy. Don't start talking to me about haikus and shit. I took Shakespeare in college. I know. Of course you did. Babyface assassin. I'm not going to be apologetic about my education. You don't have to be. Back to Mike Trout. Can can he hit 400? Everything, history, all the numbers say no. WMB says yes. That's me. I I the the only reason is because he he has protection in the lineup too. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get pitches. He's like, do we pitch to Mike Trout? Do we pitch around him? Then we got Rendon. Then we got Jay up who's swinging a better bat. Pujol says 900 home runs. Uh, Rendon. Otani hits before him. So Otani's going to get pitches too because Jesus Christ himself is hitting in the three hole right behind him. If so, Mike Rouse is Jesus Christ, what does that make Shohei Otani? Buddha. <laughs> like, I, I hear what you're saying about Trout, but honestly, I think Shohei Otani is the MVP of the American Just because he, well, because he's like a really good pitcher. Right. I get that. Um, but if Mike Trout hits 400, you better not have him in second place for the, for the MVP. All right. I'm with you. So um, I think he can do it. Mm-hmm. I really do. And, I, and I'm and i not just saying that to stir the pot. I just know the player he is. I know at some point, if he continues to hit the ball like he's hitting it, they're going to have to start pitching around him. So that's less at bats. That means more walks. It means that walk percentage is closer to 20% and makes it much the, the walk the walk percentage going up means less strikeouts, less groundouts, less outs, less at bats. So, hey, you know the cool stuff about Mike Trout? Pujols has more stolen bases than him this year. That's <laughs> true. Hey, I got another one for you. Albert Pujols has more career stolen bases than Bo Jackson. 
Hmm? Hmm? What? You heard it here first. He so. was a big backside of like a first, uh, like a double steal. Pujols was always on the backside. He's of just those. smart, dude. He's been. He's not smart. Advantage. I guarantee he would just tell people like, "Hey, go, bro. I need to get a bag." You can run into like ten of those a year if Did you, you play, if you have six hundred at bats. You just hit behind Jacoby Ellsbury every time, just so you can swipe a couple. Yeah, but I guess you gotta get on base too. You were pretty quick, actually. I some- used to be. I, but then you know I. You blow out a hamstring, break your leg in 40 places, uh, tear a calf. Now, now I'm not very fast. Mike Trout has a career high this season in barrel percentage. It's pretty good. What is it? By the way, before I give you his barrel percentage here, I don't agree that he's going to hit 400 because I don't think you can hit that many home runs and hit, be that powerful and still hit 400. I hope he proves me wrong. Okay, I had a question. So, do you think he's the will go down as the best player to ever play the game? Yes. So why not him? What you're right. I ha- I don't have an answer other than if anyone is going to do it, it's going to be Mike Trout can. because pitching yeah. is too good. Yep. Launch angle era, and let's not forget defensive alignment. Mm-hmm. The analytics and metrics to have defenders play where you hit the most balls is going to take 20 hits away from him this year. Or he probably already would have hit 400. Actually, no, that's not true. The highest he's hit is like 340, I think. Barrel percentage is 22.2%. His previous career high was in 2019 at 18.9%. So he's... His barrel percentage, okay. Barrel percentage. What's his hard hit percentage? you have it up right now? I sure do. Do I have it up in front of me? That's so cute of you to ask. 55.6, which Jesus. is also a career high. <laughs> Dude, flip a coin. All right, Mike Trout's up. Hard hit. Heads. Barrel. <laughs> like, that's a joke. He's so good. He needs a new level. He needs a 5A. Let's switch gears. East yeah. Coast, Francisco Lindor. Mm. Three, four weeks into his first year with New York after being traded from Cleveland. He's batting about 230 this year. His power numbers aren't mm. quite there yet. He's already getting booed in New York. I had $341 million extension. A lot more pressure. Is it fair or not to be booing Francisco Lindor already in Queens? Uh, no, it's not fair, but nothing needs to be fair when you're making that paycheck. He's making $250,000 a game. Get a f-ing hit. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You're right. Like, you're in the middle of like hyping up the booers. You're just like, yeah, boo Lindor. Boo that man. Boo that man. Um, no, I, I don't like booing because nobody's more frustrated than Lindor himself. Yeah. And he said it in his post game presser. Look, like I get it. I'm not. I'm not performing. I'm not giving you results. No one wants results more than me. I'm frustrated. So he he, he acknowledged the fact that. He understands why he's being booed. He also said, like, it's he, he said it's funny. Probably just, like, the fact of, like, I'm doing the best I can. It's just not happening right now. It's been four It's going to turn. He's not going to be this like this all year. He's never been, like, a 330 hitter. Let's be honest. Like, hey, but on top of, like, him not – not on top of, but he's not hitting well, but he's picking it at short. Mm-hmm. He's playing really good defensively. So – He's at least helping you in some aspect of the game. And he's a leader in that clubhouse. And you saw in that post-game presser, he didn't seem down. He wasn't pressing. 
you can tell he's like so even kill and chill. Now, obviously it's pretty easy to be that way when you have that money in the bank, but at the same time, and you know, he's frustrated to see him be that chill about it. Tells me one thing it's about to get real loud up in there. He's about to get, he's about to start smacking his balls. And the Mets are in first place. The Mets are in first place. They're they're not even, they're 500. They're nine and nine. There's not a team. There's no one above 500 in that, in that division right right now, which is crazy. Meanwhile, we, we knew, we knew it was going to be a bloodbath. We knew it was, they were going to, they were going to beat up on each other. There's four teams in the NL West over 500. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. That's nuts, dude. Mm -hmm. Man. So your point about think. Lindor in the field, his outs above average, he's in the 99th percentile. Yeah, he's he's made some – I've only watched like two of their games, but he was impressive defensively. He's a leader too. I don't think – Of course nobody, he is. Nobody's going to cheer or boo for leadership because you can't visually see it. You can't measure it. <laughs> you can't measure it. There's no – you can't get on fan graphs or MLB.com and go, what's his leadership percentage in 2021? And I, I, I will say they're not paying him $341 million to be a leader. I'll um, that's part, that. Yeah, no, you know what? That actually is part of it. It's part of it. I'm with because you. Because they would not pay a guy to come there if he wasn't a leader. I'm with you. What's crazy is just like, it's like gold gloves too. You look at gold glovers. Now, last year was a little different, but before last year, before they started using certain uh, analytics and metrics to give out gold gloves, um, it was always like the best hitting player in that position got a gold glove, which was weird. But that's how baseball media looks at stuff. Like you're only a good player if you produce offensively. Now, if you sign a $341 million deal, you should – every part of your game should be top-notch. And he will hit. Here's the thing. He, he's going to turn around. Let's be honest. He's a good player. He's surrounded by other good players. It's a young, fun team, young manager. He's going to be fine. I don't read too much into booing. A lot of times when you hear booze, it's normally one big second, market, dude. way too much to drink that night. Big, big market, big market. It's, I'm, I'm not even going to say it's fans that don't understand the game because sometimes they do. They're just Boston, New York, Philly, like they're a little rough around the edges in there, but that's what makes them special too. And like, they might boo you, but they're still going to be pretty loyal to you. That's just, they expect a lot out of you. And that's the pressure to win in big markets. I'll go as far as to say, if you're booing a guy three weeks into a $340 million 12-year deal, you don't know baseball, especially a guy like Francisco Lindor. So if you're booing Francisco Lindor right now, bro, you don't know. You don't remember understand. the name on his chest. Mets. Mets fans have been in a bad mood for a long time. Yeah, sure they have. want immediate results. Now, 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 now. That's what they want. They're going to have to wait a little bit. Have you actually ever booed anybody at a Me? sports event? Yeah. No. I haven't either. Like, I want to meet the people that are booing. You know what I mean? Like, I'd say when you go to a game, I'd say the people that are booing, maybe 25% <laughs> of the crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're like, like I, I think for me, and I'm not trying to get on my high horse here. I'm simply saying I understand, like, how difficult this game is. Right. So I personally just don't choose to boo. That's just my right. But Right. It's Johnny who raked in. 14 and under up there booing he would have been in the league had he not hurt his knee right if if the coach liked me i would have got a scholarship right exactly let's talk batting stances we'll take a break catch our breath we're going to talk about different players that made adjustments at the plate talk about what what's that what is it doing for him so far early uh four weeks in 
right after this. We'll start with Cody Bellinger. And by the way, again, we're visual learners. We're on YouTube. We're putting up these clips. We're showing these side-by-sides of their batting stances in 2020 and 2021. Cody Bellinger, he was very uh, transparent and open about his adjustments that he's making at the plate. If you look at it here in 2020, he's very close. He's right up on the plate, as he always has been. 19, he was even more close. And I don't, I don't think there's a hitter in the league that stands closer to the plate as much as Belly does. Just it, It's a testament to his quickness with his hands. Yeah. But he's closed his stance, and you can see his head's tilted a little differently as well. So I'm going to ask you, our hitting expert here, what is that going to do for Bellinger? These because um, he only played three so games this year. Four, I think. Four. But who's counting? Um, he broke his leg, so we'll talk about him later. But for a hairline fracture. Let's not spread rumors here. I mean, it is a broken leg. It's a hairline fracture. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever done it? Have you ever broken your leg? Okay. Um, I've never tripped Alan Craig either. Shut the fuck Shut up, man. <laughs> All right. We're going to edit that out. <laughs> All right. So, Cody Bellinger. Yeah, he, he's clearly a lot. If, if you skip 2020, 2020 was like, all right, I'm going to try to open up a little bit. But that's the thing. When you make changes to your swing, the littlest adjustment feels massive. So like even if you're like used to like like his bat was always like super flat, like now he's kind of wiggling it up high a little bit more. If you do that over like a two week period, you're like this feels like I'm doing this. Like it feel it feels so big of a difference. Really, you moved it like a couple inches. Mm-hmm. So 2019, he's super close. 2020, he was more neutral. 2020, he was pretty neutral. I think the camera angles made it look more closed. He was closed in 19, pretty neutral in 2020, and definitely open. Um, I looked at some at-bats from spring training because there wasn't a whole lot from this year because of the injury, but clearly open. And, and the one thing I'm saying is when you start open, I'm trying to dumb this down because I don't want to get like too technical. Um, I like to start open because it forced me to load my backside. So all the best hitters in baseball do one thing well. And that is loading all this energy into their back hip and their backside, their back glute. You always hear like, stay back, like in little league, stay back means like, all right, I'm putting all this energy in my backside and I'm not drifting it over my front side as I swing. So to dumb that down. Yeah. Like he's, he's trying to generate some, you can watch him as he's open and then he steps his hips internally rotate. So when you internally rotate, that energy goes into your back, like groin and hip area. That's where all the power is stored. So I think he's doing that for that reason to really load that back hip. Secondly, you'd notice more of his face is up towards the pitcher. That means he's looking at the pitcher with two eyes. So the more closed you are, you have two eyes on them, but like you don't, unless you close his outside eye, you don't realize how much your nose is blocking your other eye. If that makes sense. So yeah. I, that's something I played with late in my career too, was like really getting my head across. I would see the ball so much better. Um, and then as simple as maybe you wanted to hit the inside pitch better. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're closed off, that inside pitch is going to be an issue. And you were seeing a lot of people pitch him in. That was his one hole in his swing where he wasn't able, because he kind of, I don't want to say he has a long swing, but he's got a lengthy swing. 
Yes. Like he's got a very long bat path, which is a good thing. But in was his hole. Like he could hit off speed in there because he could catch it out front. But anything velo 95 up would beat him up and in. That was he, his hole. He would hit it, but it seemed like he would pull it foul every single time. You know what I mean? Exactly. So speed's so good. Here's the thing. When you're closed, when you're closed, your first move you have to make to hit is to open. Mm-hmm. All right. So now you're you're vulnerable to multiple pitches. And if a pitch is in, you're not in a good position to keep it fair. You're going to hook it. So now I guarantee 2020, he got to neutral and was like still feeling himself close off because it was not that big of a difference. So he's like, okay, now I'm going to start open with that same feel. And now I'm going to get to neutral. So he's now getting to where he wanted to be in 2020, but it wasn't big enough change that he was still resorting back to his old ways of 2019. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So he's over exaggerating it now just to get to that happy medium neutral spot where he can hit the pitch away, but yet he can still get to the pitch in the middle and he's seeing the ball better. Did you stand in the back of the box or the front of the box? Um, it depends on the picture. Actually, I moved. Okay. If, so if a guy had, if I knew a guy had like, like Kershaw, if I'm facing Kershaw, he's not going to throw a hundred. He's going to pitch like at the time, like 93 to 95, 92, 95. He still had his, some below. Um, I'm dating myself, <laughs> but, um, but he into righties and it would be like cutter slider. Those were his off speed pitches. I don't know if he had the big hook, but most of the time it was slider cutter. So I would get in the front of the box and try to take some of that late break away from him and get to it before it barreled in on me. So I had a conversation with JT Snow. I got the opportunity to interview him a few years Very ago. Cool. Teammate with Barry Bonds for years. And he was a gold glover himself, really, really good player for the San Francisco Giants. He told me Barry Bonds, the best advice he ever gave him about hitting was he would stand in the, Barry Bonds would stand in front of the box every time because he hooked a lot of balls foul because he had electric hands. I was about to say, his hands are also like, like no other. Yeah. So velocity didn't kill him, but he would hit, he told JT, you're going to hit more balls fair by standing in front of the box because there's less room for air to hit the ball foul. Because if you're standing in the back of the box, the way the angles work. But I found that interesting. It actually makes a big difference, yeah. Now, nowadays, people throw so hard, you have no choice but to stand in the back of the box. Exactly. Yeah, there are only there are a handful of guys I would get in the front of the box, but uh, not the very front either. I would be like maybe eight inches ahead. Further Mark up, Burley, you're standing in front. Definitely, because of like all the late movement mm-hmm. and – the speed obviously he's throwing 82 but um yeah that's that's why i got on belly uh if you didn't notice the changes with bellinger you're blind but i think a blind man could still see the adjustments joey Votto has made Jesus. this year yeah. <laughs> joey Votto went from basically in a squat with the bat resting on his shoulder to now you're seeing here in 2021 very I don't want to say Craig Council because he doesn't have the bat up and flicking around, but his bat, his hands are up. He's standing upright. Very major adjustments for a possible Hall of Fame player. You think he's a Hall of Famer? I said possible. He could be. I'd, I'd have to really dig into his career number. I mean, he's had a phenomenal career, especially if, as far as like on base percentage and things like that. Hall of Fame personality, no doubt. Yeah. Hall, Canadian Hall of Fame for sure. Oh, first ballot. So, Votto was interesting. So I dug in as much as I could on him. There's not a whole lot of footage of it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
obviously whatever games, the 20 games he's played, he's hitting 220 right now. Um, so he's standing up tall now. He like like you said, he was in a, like a squat, like way down. So he's getting older. I don't know if this plays into it at all, but maybe his legs are getting tired too. <laughs> like you can get really tired doing that. I that's don't know if that was squat. Like that's a deeper so, squat than I get in the gym. Yeah, no, no. It was he was like parallel. Yeah. So he used to really focus on being walked, right? He used that was his thing is he got walked a lot. He took a ton of walks. When you squat like that, you make the strike zone a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. So I think that could have been part of it too. Uh, I think it was very evident. So this is going to be more statistically based off for Votto um, because a lot of the same things with Bellinger is that Bellinger was trying to load that backside. Votto is trying to do the same thing. I think he's trying to hit for more pop, more power. He, he's in – what we call the great American small park in Cincinnati where the ball absolutely flies. So I think he's trying to hit for more power now that he's getting older. Um, he's hitting 220 right now. His, uh, his career walk percentage is 16%. He's at 9% right now. Uh, 20% K rate right now. But the reason I say he's trying to go for more power exit velo 92.5 career 88. Okay. Um, listen to this career hard hit rate, 37.3%, 2000 or 2021, 47.1% hard hit rate so far. So that's up 10%. Mm-hmm. Now that tells me, wow, like why is his average so low? Bingo. Ba- BABIP 234. He is a career 344 BABIP. So He's running into some bad luck right now. I listened to one of his interviews uh, an hour ago and about him talking about his struggles. He's like, yeah, I just got to play better. I got to, I'm like, can't let the team down. I come up big. I'm like, dude, you're squaring the ball up. He's only, he's striking out 2% higher than normal. So it's not like he's like, he's just hitting the ball at people. Mm-hmm. His hard hit rate is up 10%. That's a big jump. I know we're 20 games in, but exit, exit velo is up 4% miles an hour mm-hmm. so i'm not i guess i'm really not really breaking down this swing as much he's starting high but he's almost getting back to that same spot mm-hmm. um, load. He, he he's almost get yeah he's always so high but then he's he's getting into that launch position in which he started and stayed in so very bright yeah is it, it's a good yeah that's a good comparison yeah um i think that starting high and then gradually working into that backside really loads that back hip. And like I said with belly, that's where all the power comes from. I'll talk about that a lot when we're breaking down hitters because all the best power hitters really load that backside because that just holds the power and then snap. One other thing that I think could be playing into him hitting 220 right now, when you start that high, watch how much his head moves. This is all while the pitcher is like going through his motion. Like your head is moving from like, his head's dropping over a foot to get into his launch position. So your eyes are moving a lot. That's changing the eye level. Could be another reason the walk percentage is up. Also him, like I said, trying to go more power. That could be why the walk percentage is, is lower as well because he's more aggressive. He's not the same player anymore where he's trying to go 3-2 every count. He's choked up to, to the pine tar trying to just, you know, foul it off, foul it off and take a single. He's trying to hit the ball in the seats. 
and starting high and getting down in that back hip is going to do nothing but give him more, more pop. So the, yeah. the, the dip that you brought up is interesting because let me hit on Kyle Schwarber before we move on to Will Myers, because I want to ask you about Will Myers. He's one of your former teammates. Kyle Schwarber went from an upright position. And again, you're seeing this on YouTube. If you're not, you just got to take my word for it. Kyle Schwarber was in a more upright position in 2020. 2021, he's actually reverted back to his 2018, 2019 ways. He's now in a crotch, very Joey Votto-esque, in a cr uh, crouch with the bat on his shoulder. And he was asked, he said, why did he make that adjustment? This was back in spring training. And he said, with pitchers pitching up in the zone more often, I tended to get more upright as the years went on because I wanted to get my bat on the ball at higher pitches. But for whatever reason, he didn't really explain why he went back to his crouch position, probably just a comfortability thing. He's gone back to his crouch position now here in 2021. Now, the returns haven't been great. He's batting 196 with one long ball. That one long ball being a walk-off homer that went about 650 feet. <laughs> but interesting to see that Votto is going more upright. Schwarber is going more downright. Kind of a reverse strategy there. It's just kind of interesting to see two, two players in two, uh, two different parts of their careers going opposite ways. Yeah, it makes um it makes a lot of sense what he's seen about guys pitching up in the zone. That's it's a con constant cat and mouse of baseball. Mm -hmm. Launch angle. Oh, guys want to swing up. The one hole in their swing is going to be at the top of the zone. Yeah. So let's see. I'm trying to combat that. How um, about Will Myers? What do you got on Will Myers, your former teammate? Yeah, I think so. Will Myers, when I played with him, the one thing he liked to do as a hitter when he felt best in the in the box was when he was able to simplify things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the things that makes him really special as a hitter is he is really able to just be like a caveman in the box. Mike Trout's the same way. Now he he might to himself think that, but you would never you would never know that if he's thinking about working on certain things because it's if he ever talks about approach and Will Myers the same way, it's very simple. Like see ball, hit ball. Like I'm looking for one pitch. Well, it's it's pretty impressive that they can shut out all the noise and everything going around and just be that specific. But the best hitters do that. They dumb it down. And so for, for Will Myers, him being squatted down more, and then if you look at his hips and you look at his hands, his hands and his – so when you coach hitting or you're learning to hit, <clears throat> they used to always teach to, like, load your hands, like, towards the catcher. Mm-hmm. Well, the more science and everything's been used to break down swings, they realize that's not a good move. So the move now is to load your scap. So hitters, instead of loading this way, load this way instead of back this way. Mm -hmm. So you like pull your scap and that locks you into a better launch position to keep your hands connected to your back shoulder. That keeps you tight on your turn to the baseball. If you look at Will Myers, he's a little more pinched with his scap and his hips are turned just a little bit. He's sitting in that back hip. Remember I talked about the last two guys, how Votto and Bellinger are trying to get into that back hip. Will Myers is presetting. He's preset his hands loaded. He has his scap. If you look, that his hands aren't out here like a lot of hitters. His hands are pulled to his shoulder and it's already loaded like a slingshot, already pulled back, ready to go. His back hip is already loaded. So now all he has to do is make the, the weight transfer. So that tells me maybe he had an issue with velocity. 
Maybe he was getting beat with fastballs. Maybe it's just a testament to that he doesn't need a big load. Like he just has so much power and so much support. Exactly what I was getting to. So he's so strong. So I got a quick Will Meyer story. When he was a rookie in 2013, he was in Tampa Bay. Uh, I was in Boston. We played Tampa, obviously, a ton. They're in our division. Um, I like to get to the field super early. I was young, too, and they wanted the young guys to get there early anyways. Um, so I was out in the dugout because they had early hitting. It was him and a coach, and they were just, I could hear it. I was in the weight room, and I could hear someone hitting. So I just went out to the, to the dugout. And Will Myers is hitting off a tee, which is normal. No one around. You can really get out there and see the fly of the baseball with your hitting coach, whatever. Will Myers gets to his last round. I'm out there by myself in, in the dugout watching. And last round, I hear the coach say, like, okay, like, really let it go here. Take some game-type swings. Now, I said he's hitting off the tee. He was hitting balls. So, if you look in Tampa Bay in center field, it's the fence. There's, like, 10 feet. And then there's, like, that little shed back there. Mm-hmm. He was hitting balls on the roof of that off the tee. Jeez. Off the tee. He was hitting balls – over 420 feet off the tee. It was one of the more absurd things I've ever seen at a baseball field. And he was a rookie. I didn't even know who this kid was. I knew he was a prospect uh, with the Royals coming up. And then he got traded over there to Tampa. But I think it was the Royals. Um, but anyways, yeah, it was crazy. So, so to your point, he doesn't need this crazy load, all this movement to get into it. That's why he is presetting. It's less movement. His eyes move less. He can be as early or as late as he wants to be. All he has to do, it's like if you've ever shot a bow, if you've ever hunted and you shot a bow, it's like he already has it pulled back. All he has to do is let it go. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to, as the pitch is coming, pull the string back and shoot the bow. All he has to do is let it go, if if that's a good visual for you guys. But he is set already in his launch position. He has very little movement. So he sees the ball better, and he can be on time better. And that's why he is in that position. That's East Texas at its finest right there. That, hey, man. That illustration okay. you just made. Hey, I got, I, got a, I got a deep freezer full of good aim. One more guy to break down before we close up chop here is Omar Narvaez, a catcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Had a career year with Seattle before being shipped to Milwaukee in 2019. Now, you're going to see his stance here in 2020. He's almost closed off, especially up top. You'll see his shoulder. He's showing more of his last name on the back of his jersey to the pitcher. Here in 2021, it's just a little bit more balanced. And you can see his eyes are looking straight at the pitcher, very similar to what Brooksy broke down with belly. His eyes are more engaged on the pitcher. And this kind of – so his stance in 2020, this is – why I brought up Norvias is because it reminds me of, you know, in Little League, there's always that one coach or that one parent that's telling their kid, elbow up. Elbow up, Johnny. You got to have your elbow up. And I got to ask you, brother, you being a professional hitter, former professional hitter, a World Series champion, when your kids hit Little League, Maddie's up the bat. Maddie's at the bat in Little League and somebody – you know, maybe somebody else is coaching her and she I will like, never say elbow, elbow up. up, elbow up, Maddie. You know what? Griffey did it great. There's also plenty of hitters hit with elbow down. Majority. It doesn't have anything to do with your elbow. <laughs> I'm going to say hit it off her face, Maddie. Have you, have you, ever seen, have you ever seen the movie blended Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore blended blended. No. 
there's a scene and Adam Sandler is with one of the kids and he says, elbow up, Johnny. And I just want to throw my TV because there's nothing that drives me more crazy. I umpired literally for a while. Nothing drives me more crazy than hearing elbow up. It's not so, going to fix your swing, Johnny. I'm sorry. It's not going to fix your swing. Like so, you swinging one-handed and jumping out of the box, but your elbow's up, it's not going to help. I'm sorry. Yeah, I've never quite understood that, why that's a thing. Because, yeah, I really don't know. So I'm not texting right now. I'm actually like looking at the picture, the side-by-side of Narvaez. your boy. Um. It, it I, looks awkward in 2020. His stance looks very uncomfortable in 2020. I mean, his bat's on his shoulder. The biggest, I don't think his alignment is that far off. I think this is more camera angle. It's really I think the, the biggest, the, the biggest thing is his hands. Yeah. His hands are a little higher. Yeah. So for a hitter with your hands, number one, it's comfort. Number two is where do you get to your best launch position? So that launch position, like I said, Will Myers, he said, okay, like this is my best launch position where I'm locked in right here, where I can swing from, where I can, this elbow comes down actually and slots and you turn to the baseball. So he's put it right there. So all he had to do was make that turn. Sometimes guys like higher hands, like J-Up. Yep. J-Up likes his hands up by his face. Trout likes it by his face. And then, But if you watch them in their load, it comes down and it gets to that that everybody gets good hitters get to that same launch position but some people can't load correctly from certain spots it's a mental thing it's a neuro- neurological thing so you do the reverse action so oh if i need to load down more i'm going to put my hands up there's always like a it's a biomechanical thing like there's always like a reverse action to what you do if one side of your body goes up your other shoulder goes down See, so it's like, okay, if I need to load down more and pinch that scap, if you go lower, that's not going to work. So how do you work like a, a, a seesaw, right? Yeah. Like if I need something to work down, I got to start up and then I work down into it. So I think that's all him is working on that scap load and getting to a good launch position and for him to get to that mentally. And it's a feel thing too. You walk, Craig Council, I played for him in Milwaukee. Dude, why the fuck did you hit like that? <laughs> He's like, it was a feel thing. Like, I needed to get to a certain launch position, and I couldn't find any other way to get to that position other than starting there. Comfort. That's it. It's, it's, it's feel. So if you see a guy move his hands or tinker with something, it's all about feel to get to that launch position. That's all it is. Yeah, keep in mind, we just broke down five stances. A lot of it's, if not all of it, is speculative. But Brooksy knows what we're talking about with hitting. So that I, mean, was, I love talking hitting. I haven't done it in a while, so that was fun. Yeah, that dude, that was I learned a lot. Like as a pitcher, I feel like I can go out and swing a bat now. <laughs> Please video. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny's gonna be back with the kids. So you're finally gonna have a break. Jenny's coming back to wifey. Yeah, she's shooting but a fruit show right now. Brooksy's been alone with the kids. I'm not praying for him, I'm praying for the kids uh, for the past like week. Yeah, we're good. We're good, man. I have help. We have a nanny. She's around. We're good. I got neighbors. My amazing... I live in a cul-de-sac, by the way. It's like the most American, like, middle-of-the-road family, like, live in a cul-de-sac. But all of us are super close. 
but all their kids are like anywhere from eight to 12. So Maddie thinks she's like nine, 10 years old. It's not good, but she, they all help us. And like the 12 year old girls come over and like play with Maddie and like hang out. So I have plenty of help. So that is not an issue. We're good. You have, you have no idea where your kids are right now. They're sleeping. <laughs> so you think I'm going to tell you guys, no, I <laughs> You just wait, bud. I have this mechanism that locks Maddie's door so she can't get out. She came down here on one of our episodes and tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey. That's why we bought the mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Let's do it again sometime this week. I'm in. Adios, bye, people.